Coming up, Wild Oak Living. Stay tuned. Today we're going to be talking about the Grace Hudson Museum. Then we're going to sh- we're going to talk a little bit about um, sustainably celebrating the holidays, and also a bit about how to shop sustainable for the holidays. And then at the, towards the end of the program, we're going to hear from the Mendocino County Climate uh, Action Committee who are going to tell us a little bit about an upcoming event that they have that you can participate in. So stay tuned for Wild Oak Living. Good morning, Mendocino County and beyond. This is Johanna Wild Oak, and you are tuned to Wild Oak Living. I bring you this program Every other Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m., the program is about living and working and having fun sustainably in Mendocino County and beyond. I bring you a variety of topics all over the map, (laughs) all of it sort of loosely connected with the idea of sustainability. If you would like to get in touch with me and have suggestions for topics or questions about the program or want to know about websites that were mentioned in the program, please feel free to get in touch. You can do so by email, by sending me an email to contact at wildoak.org. That's contact at w-i-l-d-o-a-k dot o-r-g. And I will be happy to get your email and to respond to you. Today we have several topics coming up. We're going to start out by continuing this little mini-series on arts in Mendocino County that I started two weeks ago, and uh, that uh, we'll probably do a couple more installments because there's you know, several arts organizations that I would like to bring to your attention and that I would like to give an opportunity to talk about the work that they do. Today we're going to continue this little mini-series by talking with David Burton, who's the director of the Grace Hudson Museum and Sunhouse. And we're going to be talking about what's happening there. Um, and then I'm going to talk about sustainably celebrating the holidays and also sustainable holiday shopping to the extent that we want to do holiday shopping. And, uh, and then uh, at about 9.45 or so, we're going to be talking with uh, a representative of the Mendocino County Climate uh, Action Committee, uh, who is uh, who are um, who have been meeting and who are having an event coming up that you can participate in, and they're going to be talking a little bit about the work that they do and about the event that you can participate in. All right, so let's get started this morning. I would like to, and if you hear some background noises, that's my border collie who is refusing to settle down this morning. <laughs> so I apologize in advance for that. I had her all settled on the couch, but now she's kind of a, kind of active again. Okay. Welcome, David Burton, to Wild Oak Living. It's nice to have you on. Oops, I, I need to bring up your audio. Okay, let's try this again. Is that good? Yes, now we can hear you. Okay. Wonderful. Well, Johanna, thank you again for having me on the show, and it's a real treat to be on your program. Oh, Uh, thank you so so much. Thank you. Yeah, I used to, I used I've done several programs in the past with Sherry Smith Ferry, who was the uh, the former director and then the curator at the Grace Hudson Museum. 
And yeah. uh, now you are in this post, and it's very it's very nice to have you representing the museum now on Wildlife Living. It's it, there are so many exhibits and activities uh, associated with the museum. And um, it's such a treasure to have this Grace Hudson Museum in the midst of our little town. So I would like you to first talk a bit about about the museum uh, and and also maybe about your your involvement with the museum and your engagement with the museum. Yeah, well, uh, we are, um, you know, COVID has not been uh, uh, something that we've been able to skirt around it's it's hit us as well as every other kind of business and activity that goes on are in our community yeah uh so we you know we were closed for 14 months uh uh, from March 2020 to May 2021 and that kind of forced us to uh reinvent ourselves a little bit um We'd been uh, very behind, uh, certainly other museums, in being able to do virtual programming or or create uh, recorded programming that we, then we could share online. And uh, certainly the, the lemonade that came out of COVID was our ability to, to create virtual programs, which we've done many of uh, during uh, the shutdown, and we've continued to do since we were able to open up. And I think we will be continuing to do virtual programs for the foreseeable future, uh, because even though we're open to the public, there's still a lot of people who are kind of skittish about uh, going out and being around other people, especially if they don't know them well. Um, so, uh, and the other thing about virtual programming, Johanna, which has been a real virtue, is that it's given us the ability to um, have guest speakers who don't live in our community. Uh, we've had uh, scholars and artists from uh, all parts of California and a um, couple on the East Coast of the United States, and we even had an artist uh, who we had a virtual program with who was calling from Lithuania. Uh, so uh, that, that's that been a virtue, and not only has it been able to we've been able to uh, connect with other kinds of uh, guests, but it's expanded our audience base. Uh, doing virtual programming allows someone who's a fan of the Grace Hudson Museum who's, who lives someplace else to actually listen or watch a, a program that we produce. So th- those are two good things that came out of the pandemic for sure. But for the moment, you know, we ask everybody who comes to our, the museum to uh, uh, wear a mask and not come in if they're feeling ill and uh, we've had a few public programs with as many as uh, maybe 60, 70 people. Uh, everyone's been really good about observing the mask rule and social distancing and all that. And I think as long as we can do that, we'll be a safe place for everybody to, to come and visit. Um, can I tell you about the show that we've got up now? Yeah, I'd like to take a stick backwards and, and, and maybe have you assume that I just landed from Mars and I don't even know what the Grace Hudson Museum is and maybe take a sure. few minutes to talk about that and then talk about what the show that you're having now. Okay, yeah, that's that's a good idea. Um, well, the Grace Hudson Museum is named after Grace Carpenter Hudson, um, arguably the most notable person who, who has come out of U- the Ukiah Valley. Uh, she was born in 1865 in Potter Valley, had a very a good, uh, her parents observed an incredible aptitude for drawing and painting at a young age. 
Um, at the age of 14, they sent her to San Francisco to study at the San Francisco School of Design, which over the years has morphed into the San Francisco Art Institute. So she learned um, all the academic training she got was in was in fine art. Uh, and uh, she started to establish herself probably by the mid-1880s as a very skilled portrait painter and landscape painter as well. Uh, but her real... Her real um, uh, fame came from her uh, interest in Pomo peoples, and she became um, a significant uh, painter of portraits of Pomo people and of uh, Pomo life. Uh, and so that's that's really what she's she's very well known for. She did spend a year in Hawaii, uh, and she did paint a lot of native. Hawaiians. Uh, it's a small amount of paintings, but it's still significant. And she did some a little bit of the time in Oklahoma, uh, one year um, at the behest of the Field Museum in Chicago, who were collecting uh, native material in the Oklahoma Territory in 1903. And uh, she, they, they commissioned her to paint the objects that they were collecting, because in those days there was no color photography, and the the, the way you could represent the, the beauty of the colors of the Pawnee objects was through painting. So she did that. Our museum uh, really started in the late 70s, 1970s, when the heirs of... Um, or the people who inherited the house, the Sun House, which is the beautiful 1911 Redwood Craftsman Bungalow on Main Street near Clay. Um, it, uh, it was a house that was uh, 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 built by uh, Grace and her husband John. Uh, architect was George Wilcox, and they moved in in 1912. Uh, both John and Grace passed in the late 1930s, and they willed the house to uh, one of Grace's nephews, Mark Carpenter, who lived in the house as well. Another couple lived there as well. And then in the late 1970s, uh, in an effort to uh, honor the legacy of Grace Carpenter Hudson and her husband John, um, this, the house was sold to the city of Ukiah under the agreement that it would be made a public um under a public trust, a public institution that would uh, be a sort of a small museum to honor Grace and John. And then in the 1980s, a group of private citizens raised a million dollars to actually build a museum that could properly display the art of Grace Hudson. And then 15 years later, that museum was expanded. Um, I think about $700,000 went into that. It's all owned and operated by the city of Ukiah. Uh, who hire the staff and take care of all the infrastructure. And the group who raised money for uh, the building of the museum became the Sunhouse Guild, which is still very active. They're a nonprofit group, and they raise money to uh, support the programs and uh, exhibitions of the museum. We also have the Endowment Fund, which was created in the early 2000s, and that has grown uh, continues to grow, and it also helps support the museum as well. But our museum is dedicated to Grace. We have a gallery full of her paintings. Uh, we have a gallery full of pomo basketry because it's very important to to um, for us to interpret and share with people uh, the vi- vitality of uh, pomo life. After all, Grace. Grace's career was established by painting Pomo people and life, and so we th- we thought it was very important. Sherry Smith Ferry thought it was very important, my predecessor, uh, that we have uh, always have on display 
uh, baskets and other material cultures so we can understand who the Pomo people are. And then we have a changing exhibit gallery, which uh, uh, about three times a year we have different exhibitions, uh, ranging from historic California art to contemporary art of Mendocino County artists and uh, native artists as well. So that that's kind of in a broad nutshell what we do. Um, uh, uh, let me tell you about the exhibition we have now. And, and, and I just wanted to mention you also have a gift shop, right? Yes, we do. And, and the reason uh, I mention that is because later I'm going to be talking about holiday shopping. And one of the things I want to mention later, and, and we can might as well mention it now, is that you know, ho- local museum gift shops are a great place to find holiday gifts for people. You bet. I sh- we sure appreciate you mentioning that, Johanna. Uh, and and you know, during the pandemic, that gift shop was closed. So, um, and um, uh, I want to give a shout out to Tony Wheeler, who is the gift shop manager. And uh, anybody looking for something cool for uh, holiday shopping, come on by the the museum during our normal business hours, or or give a call to the gift shop manager Tony, and she'll be able to help you out. All right, let's talk about your exhibit right now. Yeah, the show we've got on now through January 16 is called 30 Years On, Leiden, Magruder, and Knight. It is one of our local Mendocino County artists' um, uh, exhibitions. Um, we opened it in September. Tom Leiden, Mac Magruder, and Wayne Knight, um, they, um, they're very significant in the history of the museum, Johanna. Uh, in 1991, the three of them, and Wayne Knight is now deceased, but uh, Tom Mack and Wayne approached the Grace Hudson Museum, which was only about five years old at the time, and said, um, we'd like to propose doing an art exhibition uh, with Tom's photography, Mack's sculptures, and Wayne's paintings, and uh, would you be open to doing that? And at the time, we only had one gallery. It was all devoted to Grace, and uh, the, the thinking was, well, how can we take all of Grace's paintings down for a temporary show, uh, given that it's the Grace Hudson Museum? But, uh, I think a lot, a lot of thought went into it, and finally the, the museum decided, let's give it a try. And the show was an incredible hit, and it launched the idea of doing exhibitions about local uh, Mendocino County artists, uh, which we do quite frequently now. So it was a seminal exhibition. And 2021 was is the 30th anniversary of that first exhibition. It was called An Association of Three, Leiden, Magruder, and Knight. They did another show at the museum five years later, um, uh, Color Clay in Cambodia, Leiden, Magruder, and Knight. And here we are 30 years later, um, uh, celebrating that anniversary of the launching of local artists in our museum with um, 30 Years On, which is kind of a mini retrospective of the arcs of all three artists' careers. Um, so it's it's proven to be, again, a very popular show. Um, of course, a lot of people in our community know Tom and Mac and knew Wayne very well. We had a virtual program this last Saturday uh, with people who knew uh, knew and uh, Knew Wayne Wayne very well. Uh, five or so people calling in from all parts of the country to discuss Wayne's life, his significance, why he was so beloved in our community, not only as a painter, but as a teacher and just a standout human being. Um, so, and again, that show is is open through January 16th. 
That sounds fascinating. And, you know, as you describe, as you just described the, the virtual program that you had, it, I'm realizing more and more as I talk to people and especially artists and art organizations about how they've dealt with the pandemic, how, how, you know, the ability to do virtual events with Zoom, for example, uh, initially, it was seen as a sort of, oh, well, I guess if we can't do it any other way, then we'll do it via Zoom. But I think people are learning that it's actually opening up another dimension in terms of being, inter- uh, being uh, organizations being able to interact with their broader public. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, it's funny, though, Johanna, what I've noticed over the last uh, 18 months of doing virtual programs is that the first few we did uh, we got tremendous uh, attendance for. And then as other organizations started doing virtual programming, we saw that our attendance kind of dropped, uh, it, not significantly, but it dropped, and, and it's kind of held steady since then. And mm-hmm. I, I talked to other people who were involved in arts organizations who do virtual stuff, and they said, well, yeah, the novelty was really strong at the beginning, and then there's so much uh, video stuff that you can you can see now that uh, maybe uh, it's kind of you can see stuff 24 hours a day if you want. So right. the enthousi- enthusiasm is a little less than it was at the beginning, but it's still very important to, and, a, and a terrific way to connect to people who really are, you know, just want to be at home and, and learn something and enjoy something and feel safe about what, their environment. And perhaps also, you know, not leave, leave a smaller footprint on the planet. I mean, I am now able from my remote home, you know, in the mountains where it would take me an hour to just get into town, I'm able to instantly access, you know, board of supervisor meetings or, or arts events or other virtual things or, you know, including events in San Francisco that were other places that I would never drive to or never travel to. But now that they're on, on Zoom, I can actually participate. Without getting in my car and without, you know, using gas and, and people from the coast can dial into your museum is event, you know, who would probably not drive over from the coast for one of your events. So, you know, I think, I think, I think, I think you're right. I think it will boil down to sort of, you know, the people who really value that kind of thing. And, 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 you know, as people are able to go out again, they, you know, there's, there's going to be fewer people who'll do that, but, I'm hoping that it will remain an important part of how the public can interact with, uh, you know, with organizations. I think, Johanna, the next step in, in our future, I don't know how quickly we can get to it, is to be able to start having small public programs at the museum with a live audience, uh, maybe 20 people masked, uh, and be able to, to film and record or live stream the speaker at the same time that we have a live audience. Yes. That, that's, that's a goal of ours. So yes. hopefully we can get to that sometime next year. I think it's particularly the live aspect that's attractive. You know, because as you said, YouTube is full of stored video, but to be able to be there in, you know, quote unquote person, you know, even if it's just my virtual image, you know, that's, that to me sounds, is, is the interesting aspect. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, a few years ago, I also had, uh, Sherry Smith Ferry on to talk about the, um, the work that you've been doing on the grounds of the museum and uh, this uh, sort of sustainability uh, infrastructure that you were that, that you were planning to build there, and I'm wondering 
wondering if you could bring us up to date on, on what's happening in that arena. I know that the fence has gone up and that some things have been built inside, but I'm not up to date on, on where that is now. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Wild Gardens, the Wild Gardens right, project. Right, exactly, what Wild it was, Gardens. was called. Yes. And it was an effort to transform what used to be called Carpenter Hudson Park, which was a public park right on the grounds of the, the Sun House, uh, which had become a bit derelict with, um, well, let's just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so th- there were two parts to the Wild Gardens project. One was to help create a, a, a beautiful fence around the property to safeguard the property. Um, and uh, the second was to change uh, the, this generic park into something which would be a teaching a teaching garden. Uh, and uh, Sherry obviously uh, is Pomo Dry Creek Pomo, and and uh, we are on Pomo lands here at the Grace Hudson Museum. And uh, the idea was to create a a Pomo teaching garden where where it would be all native plants indigenous to this area, and uh, we could all we could teach people both about the ecosystems those plants inhabit uh, and depend on, as well as how Pomo peoples used uh, specific plants in their food, uh, in their uh, basket making, medicinally, uh, all sorts of things. So um, the, uh, the, it, the wild gardens will always be a work in progress because it's a living, it's a living thing. It's not like a static museum exhibition. It, it lives and we have to take care of all the plants. And, uh, you know, the first few years, uh, there was a lot of concern over, are these plants, um, working in this area? Are they going to be able to survive? How do you mix the plants together so they're not competing against each other, but actually uh, just creating nice diversity and, and um, compatibility with each other. Uh, we've seen over the last few years our bird and insect population has has exploded in the wild garden. So that's another part of it, too, is just trying to be able to educate people about the connections between plants and weather and animals and 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 how the how the land can be stewarded properly uh to sustain life without destroying it uh and that those are the big themes and what we try to try to teach when we take people out in the gardens i was just going to ask you about do you have events around that how does the public interact with the gardens oh yeah uh thanks for asking that yeah and on this past saturday we actually had an event about acorns and there's so many acorns this year yeah, uh, Kareem, Kareem Pierce, who's a, a notable uh, Pomo basket maker and educator and partners with us on a lot of public programs. Um, she uh, she spoke outside. Um, we had about 25 people all spread out in chairs uh, under the brush arbor and uh, uh, gave a, a long presentation on acorns and the difference between a tan oak acorn and a blue oak and a black oak and all of that and how they're used in, in Pomo life. Um, so uh, that's that's part one of the events that we've done. We also have done programs um, uh, about... Um, uh, panoli, which is uh, it's kind of like a mush, which is made out of seeds of particular kinds of flowering plants. Uh, so uh, we've done a number of those kinds of things to try to connect people in a very tangible way and in an interactive way with the byproducts of all the plants that we grow there. How can uh, um, 
Do you still have your membership program? And also, how can people stay up to date about what's going on at the museum? Well, the best way to stay up to date is become a member because you'll get e-blasts and mailings about all kinds of stuff that we're doing here. Or we do a, a newsletter three times a year. Um, and uh, so be a, become a member. Uh, you can do it as little as $15. Um, and uh, um, that would be a great way to start. Uh, but the other way is you just go to our website, uh, which is gracehudsonmuseum.org. And uh, you can find all sorts of information about what we're doing now and what's coming up in the future. And people can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where we post regularly about uh, current and upcoming events. You are tuned to Wild Oak Living. This is Johanna Weldock, and I've been speaking with David Burton, who is the director of the Grace Hudson Museum and Sun House here in Ukiah. Um, is it, any, any closing thoughts you want to leave us with, David? Yeah, I do want to make two closing thoughts, and they'll just be teasers because I know we don't have enough time for me to get really into them. But uh, recently, the, the Grace Hudson Museum uh, was asked by the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York and by the DeYoung Museum in San Francisco if uh, they could borrow uh, some objects from our Pomo collection to include in a wonderful uh, new show that the, that's at the Met now and will be at the DeYoung in December uh, called Jules Tavernier and um, Jules Tavernier and the L.M. Pomo. And Jules Tavernier was a painter in the late 19th century. He made a spectacular, enormous painting about a ceremonial dance in a roundhouse uh, at the L.M. Pomo um, lands. And um, that painting was given to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and they decided to create an exhibition to help better understand what's going on in that painting uh, and help better understand the Pomo culture, which inspired it. Uh, and so we we have uh, uh, lent, uh, loaned the uh two items from our collection uh, for that exhibition. It's at the Met now through November 28 and moves to the DeYoung Museum in San Francisco on December 18 and will be up through April. So we'll, we'll encourage certainly the folks in our community to head down to the DeYoung to see it. Uh, and uh, we hope to um, organize a bus trip. Uh, if we can do it safely, we'll organize a bus trip to go down and see it as well. So that's one thing I want everybody to know about. And then the other big news is we uh, very recently were given 16 Grace Hudson paintings by the Palm Springs Art Museum. Uh, and it, it's something that happens with museums. Uh, Palm Springs Art Museum came, in, came into a collection of Grace Hudson paintings back in the 60s and early 70s. Uh, and their mission has changed. They're now focused almost exclusively on modern and contemporary art. And they gave me a call back in May and said, would you want these paintings if we gave them to you? And we said, well, I'll come down. I went down to Palm Springs, took a look at them. They were beautiful and in wonderful shape. Uh, so fast forward, we finally sealed the deal, and uh, we'll be getting those paintings just after the first of the new year. And our plan is to immediately create a an exhibition uh, that we're calling The Art of Collecting, New Additions to the Grace Hudson Museum. And so people will be able to see those Grace Hudson paintings along with other recent acquisitions of Pomo basketry and historical items related to Grace Hudson and the museum. That's great news. <laughs> wow, new Grace Hudson paintings. Wonderful. Yeah. Oh, and can you just reiterate your hours again for people who want to come to the museum to see your current show or also who want to go to the gift shop? 
Yeah, thank you, Johanna. We had various hours when we came out of COVID, and now we're back to our normal business hours, uh, which is Wednesday through Saturday from 10 in the morning to 4.30 in the afternoon, on Sunday from 12 noon to 4 o'clock. Um, and uh, the gift shop is open uh, during all our business hours now. Great. And your website, again, is gracehudsonmuseum.org? Yeah, exactly right. Okay, yeah. great. See how easy it is to remember? <laughs> yeah, it's very easy. Thank you so much, David Burton, for taking time to talk with us on Wild Dog Living this morning. All the best to you and to the museum. Thank you, Johanna. Again, it was just a real pleasure to be invited and to be on and to be able to talk about the museum that I love. And keep us posted so that we can help get it, keep helping to get you, helping you to get the word out. <laughs> Will do. Thank you so much. Thank you, David. We've Bye. been speaking with David Burton, who is the director of the Grace Hudson Museum and Sunhouse. You are listening to Wild Oak Living. This is Johanna Wild Oak. This program comes to you every other Thursday from 9 until 10 a.m. And it is about living sustainably in Mendocino County and beyond. And speaking of which, um, we still have coming up today at about 9.45, we're going to be speaking uh, with Kathy Monroe, who is one of the members of the Mendocino County Climate Action Committee, and she's going to bring us up to date on what's happening with the committee and how you can participate in a virtual event that they have planned for tomorrow afternoon. And before we go there, however, I want to take a few minutes to share with you some thoughts about uh, shopping for the holidays and also about celebrating sustainably. Uh, this is some, you know, every year I, I try to, I try to get a little bit of this, uh, this kind of, um, information, uh, across. Some of it might already be familiar and some of it I find myself, I have to keep reminding myself to think about it. So the, the first thing I want to talk about is, is gift giving for the holidays. Um, there's 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 some things going on this year that kind of put a new a new twist on the whole gift buying for the holidays things. One of course is the fact that um because of the supply chain problem a lot of things are either not available or take a long time to get. And then of course, you know, the climate crisis is is uh, is something that has been brought again, you know, to the forefront of our attention if it hasn't if it hadn't been you know, for all the fires and floods and everything uh, in the summer, uh, the, you know, COP26 in Glasgow certainly reminded all of us that that's something we need to be thinking about. And so I just want to reiterate that. And, and then there's also this this movement, uh, Buy Nothing Day, that, that p- tries to argue that it's certainly on that day after Thanksgiving when the whole world seems to do nothing but shop, you know, that that's a day that we should buy nothing. Um, I like to argue that that's a day that we should shop locally, uh, you know, in, in locally owned stores because, um, you know, that would actually benefit our community. Uh, so uh, that's just one thought. And then the other thought I'd like to uh, sort of advocate for is that rather than giving stuff, of which most people already have too much, um, not everybody. I, I realize that I, there's a lot of people who need things, um, and that's you know that's uh, something we certainly need to keep in mind. But there's also a lot of people who would be on our gift list who actually don't really need anything. But what they might like and what they might appreciate is is a present of your presence. So one of the things that you might want to think about is that instead of giving stuff, 
you could give experiences. So, for example, you know, a, 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 a handmade gift card for time spent together doing something special. Like, I don't know, a walk on the beach followed by a brunch or, you know, a weekend on the coast or a hike or, you know, whatever. Whatever you think that might make that person that you're giving that gift to happy rather than uh, a thing. Um, another another thing that, that people can, you know, do when they, for gift giving is donations in someone's name. And I'd like to advocate especially that, that, uh, that we make donations in someone's name to local organizations and local projects because, you know, then your money immediately does good in the community. Uh, local gift certificates for local art classes or classes with local artists is another idea for a holiday present. Uh, and then, of course, shopping locally. And, um, you know, there are local bookstores that you can go to where you can pick up books immediately and you don't have to wait for them to get shipped to you. Um, bookstores also have more than books. They have stationery often. They have uh, books. They have gift items that readers might appreciate, like little headlamps and, 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 and toys for kids and notebooks and things like that. So, that's something to think about, local bookstores, uh, local outdoor stores, which we have here in our community, garden stores that are owned locally. We've already talked about museum gift shops. Um, you know, there's the gift shop at the Grace Hudson Museum. Uh, there's also a gift shop at the Willett Center for the Arts. Um, uh, farmers markets are actually a place where you can pick up gifts. Um, you know, you could, there are, there are people that make things that are being sold at farmers markets made out of you know, food items, but also crafts items that you could pick up gifts for. Art galleries, local art galleries are sources of gifts. So for example, right now at the Willits Center for the Arts, they have, um, an exhibit that I will tell you about in a, in a moment about where you can pick up, where, where, lo where local artists are showing small items that you can pick up as relatively inexpensive gifts for people, and that would immediately benefit our local community of artists. And then the secondhand stores are also a way to, to buy a gift that, you know, that hasn't, hasn't just been newly manufactured and taken up resources. And of course, gift cards to local stores. If you're not sure about what your recipient might like, you can give a gift card to a local store, and there's, you know, many local stores of all types, including local food stores. Um, so, you know, consider the gift, the present, a present of your presence, or consider donations, or consider shopping locally for the gifts that you want to give to those, to to your loved ones. And then there's holiday celebrations coming up. Uh, how can we make those a bit more sustainable? We've got Thanksgiving coming up, we've got uh, Christmas coming up, and there's holiday parties, and then there's New Year's Eve coming up, uh, and, and many other um, events, depending on you know your, your cultural or religious background that are happening during this time of the year. And I would just like to advocate and, and have us all think about, um, you know, where do we shop for, for, uh, for those celebrations? For, you know, think about food from local sources. You can get meat, veggies, fruits, condiments, spices, all sourced locally. 
if you just look around a bit, um, there's a, a website that you can go to called mendocinofoodguide.org that lists many, many sources of local food where you can contact people and, and source things locally. There's also a, an organization of local farmers called the Mendo, Mendo Lake Food Hub, and they are at mendolakefoodhub.org. You can go to the farmer's market. I already mentioned that. If you want to know where and how and when your farmer's markets are, you can go to mcfarm.org. That's Mendocino County Farm, mcfarm.org. Um, there, there are several purveyors of local meats, and, and I think you can find them at the mendocinofoodguide.org. But one example is uh, Mendocino Organics, and they are at mendocinoorganics.com. And, of course, there are local stores that sell local food, um, many of them. But just to give a few examples, you know, there's uh, Corners of the Mouth in, um, in Mendocino. There's Harvest Markets. There's Mariposa in Willits, Down Home Food. I think they're in Fort Bragg. Boontberry Farm in Anderson Valley uh, and other local outlets in Anderson Valley. And there's, of course, uh, Ukiah Natural Foods in Ukiah. And they all sell uh, not just not local produce, but also other local food items that might be suitable as gift items. And of course, there's all the local wineries and distilleries that are that are uh, offering that are offering um, local wines and and local, you know, brandy and whiskey and things like that. So those are some ideas uh, where you can. The source, not just gift items, but also um, food and other items for your holiday celebration. And then I want to talk a bit about um, trying to be as sustainable as possible when you cook and serve food and when you pack up leftovers. Um, I'm, I've, I'm challenging myself, and I have been for a while, because I noticed that even though I recycle a lot, you know, as a as a you know, my household produces a lot of recyclables, and a lot of it is just plastic packaging um, and glass, but also you know, mostly plastic and paper. And so now I'm challenging myself to cook and serve and pack up leftovers without disposables and without using aluminum foil and without using plastic wrap and plastic bags because it, aluminum is somewhat recyclable, but the plastic bags and the plastic foil certainly aren't. So I'm trying to use washable, reusable containers like mason jars and other you know, Pyrex dishes and things. Um, and I'm trying to use lids, real lids, instead of just you know, putting aluminum foil or, or plastic wrap to cover, to cover a container or to wrap something up in some, you know, instead of wrapping something in plastic wrap or aluminum, I'm trying to put it in a container and put a lid on it when I put it in the fridge. Um, napkins is another one of those things. Uh, I remember when Else and her family first opened the brew pub in Ukiah, she had cloth napkins that were torn from fabrics. And that's such a simple and beautiful idea, um, rather than using paper napkins. And the same thing goes for dishes and glasses and flat and flatware. Um, you know, if you have more people coming than you have dishes and flatware and glasses and things, there's two two options that I can think of. One is you could just ask everybody to bring some glasses or some or some plates or some cutlery. 
or, or napkins, or you could go to the thrift store. I did that once for a very large event. I went to the thrift store and I got a ton of uh, cutlery from the thrift store for very little money. And I put that in a drawer and I just used that, you know, for whatever, whatever um, events that I need it for. Um, there's also parties if you have a really large event, which you probably won't right now during COVID. But anyway, there's also party services that you can rent, you know, this kind of thing for, including uh, tablecloths and things. And you could ask your guests to bring their own containers for leftovers, and that way you don't have to worry about how to pack up leftovers. And another thing to think about, just because we're talking about food right now and because not everybody has plenty of food, especially right now during the, during, you know, the latter part of the pandemic, hopefully the latter part. Uh, a lot of stores now have, and, and other organizations have, uh, food drives where you can donate food to organizations that share it with the needy. And also the, um, the food banks uh, all, you know, need, need our help right now. Um, and there's food banks in just about every town here in Mendocino County. Um, so just, you know, Google, Google your local food bank and see if you can help, um, by donating food or, or funds so that they can help those in our community who need it. So that's some of the, some of the thoughts that I had for the holiday season for shopping sustainably, you know, giving gifts that don't have to be stuff and try and make your, you know, make our, our holiday events and celebrations about the about the people that are there and not so much about the stuff um, and and you know maybe try and cre- try and create less waste and less trash um, as we as we have these events challenge ourselves a bit to try and do that thanks for uh, listening to those ideas um, there's a, a a couple more things that I wanted to share and I'm just hoping that I can pull them up in the in the time that we have um, Okay. Well, actually, I think I'm going to see if uh, my guest has arrived on Zoom. Kathy Monroe was going to dial in, to dial in, um, and we also have a phone call coming in. So maybe this is Kathy, or maybe this is somebody who has a question. So let's see who the phone caller is. Hello, are you live on Wild Dog Living? Uh, hold on a second. Okay, now I have you. Okay, go ahead. I'm getting, I'm ridding plastic out of my house, and I've come across some silicone storage bags at the Ukiah Co-op. They have a a large sandwich size, bigger than a sandwich, and a smaller one at the Ukiah Co-op, silicone storage bags, and they're reusable, washable, and they have a zip seal along the top that really stay airtight. So it's what I'm replacing all my sandwich bags with. So that, 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 there's that for you. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Yeah, silicone bags. I, I've been, I've been slowly getting a few of those. They're kind of expensive, but if you don't, you know, if you just buy like one at a time, you can build up a, a pretty nice collection of them over time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much for that idea. Happy holidays. Thank you. Do too. 
Yeah, that is a good idea. They come in various sizes, and they're especially nice if you have somebody that you send off with, you know, with lunch food or snacks every day, rather than packing it up in, you know, in plastic or some other container. You can put it in one of those reusable silicone Ziploc, Ziploc type bags, and they are, as, as our caller said, they are washable, and they last a long time. And as far as I know, they're pretty inert. Well, my, my guest from the Climate Action Committee has not dialed in yet, so I'm just going to keep taking calls since we are, since calls are coming in. So, hello, caller. You're live on Wild Oak Living. Hi. When you earlier mentioned everybody having too much stuff, it leads me to this. Give away something you have. Look around your house, look around your car, look around your yard. Find something that you already possess and give it to someone else. And do it with thought. Is it something somebody has admired? A much better gift than bought. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. And right. especially for right. those of us Share who... your yeah. stuff. Yeah. Right. And don't buy paper to wrap it in. Wrap it in something else. Yeah. Put it in a put it in vase. Put it in a bag that you already have. Give away your stuff. That's my. That's what I have to say for today. Except thank you for the show. Oh, so many you. years. Thank you so much for calling in. What a great idea. You're welcome. Yeah, that is a great idea. Um, you know, especially for those of us who are sort of getting on in age and who are at some point going to be faced with what happens to all our stuff when after we're gone. You know, starting to give it away, uh, especially the nice stuff that you think somebody might appreciate. That's you know, that's a that's a really good idea. And I do think we are joined now by Kathy Monroe. So let's see if Kathy is with us. Kathy, are you with us? Let me see. Let me bring Sorry, you up. Sorry, it took a while on the phone to get the numbers right. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, welcome to Wild Oak Living. Kathy Monroe is a member of the Mendocino County Climate Action Committee, and I asked her to join us this morning because uh, to talk a little bit about the work that they do, but primarily to talk about an event that they have coming up tomorrow that you can participate in. I, I want to say that I do realize that you know, ten or fifteen minutes is not enough time, of course, to talk about all the work that's happening on climate in our county. I am going to, um, just like I did sort of this mini-series about artists, I am going to do a series uh, of programs about what's happening as far as climate is concerned in our area starting in the new year. But because uh, because I had a, a few minutes today, you know, and because you have this event coming up tomorrow, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a bit about uh, the, the the Climate Action Committee and about this event tomorrow. So welcome to Wellick Living, Kathy Monroe. Go ahead. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the, the event you're talking about is our uh, monthly meeting of the Mendocino County Climate Action Citizens Advisory Committee, kind of known as MCAC. <laughs> okay. It's a, a mouthful. It's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, and it's officially made up of um, members from each of the supervisorial districts, the supervisors, um, appoint, um, they can appoint up to three people for each district, um, and it can be a little looser in terms of that, but, uh, so we are under the Brown Act, 
Um, we're an open public meeting, and so if people want to find out about the meeting, what we're going to be talking about tomorrow, uh, you can actually go to the county website um, and, and and look for the Mendocino Climate Action um, and there will be a list of our agendas from the previous meetings and posted as the agenda for tomorrow. Um, included in the agenda, it's actually a really long, I couldn't believe it when I checked over the packet. It includes um, information we're going to be discussing. It's a long packet, like over 60 pages. And we meet from 3 to 5. We'll see how well we do with the agenda. Um, but we always invite uh other people to speak up on issues of concern. We want the general public. Um, and on the agenda is the Zoom link so people can uh, join in. Um, we're going to be, uh, you see, I kind of listed out. Among the items on the agenda is, is the committee is going to talk about its um, concerns about the coal train. There was a resolution the Board of Supervisors um, passed, and that's actually included in the packet, and, um, but we're going to be talking about our letter. Uh, there was a recently completed Mendocino County energy audit um, done with development recommendations to the Board of Supervisors. It was done by a company um, called Wilden Energy Solutions, and it's analysis of how the county can be um, redirecting toward um, more efficient energy. Uh, with its different buildings, and it's it's several pages long, quite a, yeah, quite a few, and so it's an it's worth going to the packet just to look over what the audit has to say, um, and then uh, we there one of the things the committee um, adopted and passed along was the draft about concerns with the management of Jackson State Forest and the need for um, Logging that's more sustainable and um, and will help sequester carbon. Um, so there's a letter in response from the logging industry on some things on the draft um, and some responses to that. Uh, so that's will be discussed. There is a um, and also a copy of the Board of Supervisors resolution on Jackson State Forest, which they discussed. Um, recently in past. There will be a resolution relating to net metering. Uh, there's some um, pushback by uh, utilities on letting solar small solar grids on rooftops, and so this is a discussion saying how important it is in a resolution to um, supp continue supporting um, solar rooftop panels. Um, we're going to, one of the things that's um, being discussed with all Brown Act um, meetings is that we've been able to Zoom um, because of COVID restrictions, and that may get lifted in the next few months. So each month we're supposed to kind of look at what the situation is, and we'll be ha uh, passing a con uh, resolution to continue to Zoom at this point for Mendocino County. Um, but that's an interesting issue we'll probably want to even visit because we know for 
members that live in outlying areas, it's really difficult to come to a central meeting spot. Um, so that's something I think we'll talk about as well. Um, we also wrote a letter to the Board of Supervisors just um, adding our concerns to the need for water planning with the drought. Uh, so we'll be discussing that. I think those are the main items. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, um, and, and we'll also be discussing about education that we want to figure out as a committee how to get out um, connect to the public more. So this is great. So thank you, Joanna, for this opportunity. So again, if you go to the Mendocino County website and you click and you look for the Mendocino County Climate Action Committee, right? Climate Advisory Committee. Be, yeah. Well, I'm not sure. Yeah, it looked like it was just Climate Action when I checked it out. Okay. All right. Um, Okay, and then but, you'll find... But you could Google it, too. Right. Um, That's how I found it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have any contact uh, information. We're, we are all volunteers. We have no staff. Yeah. Um, and so we are anxious to get more people in. COVID, we were... When this was visualized, it was hope... There was hope to kind of have kind of localized working groups trying to determine how best to respond to the needs. Um of of coping with climate change, um, but that's been difficult with COVID, and we're trying to figure out how we can reach out better. Um, so that's that we'll be talking about, and we'd love to have input from people on that. Um, Great. But they, yeah, so you can sign up to be on our list. Our chair is Marie Jones, uh, and she can be contacted at mariejones at mariejonesconsulting.com. And Marie is spelled um, M-A-R-I-E? M-A-R-I-E. Okay. And Jones, J-O-N-E-S. It's all one word. Great. Okay. Um, I, 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 need, okay. I need a couple more minutes so that I can talk about Eileen's climate stewardship program and, and one other announcement oh, I want to make. So, so I want to thank you for coming on on short notice to talk about this meeting about the Mendocino County Climate Action Advisory Committee. Thank you so much, Kathy Monroe. For being on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do want to push to the um, Eileen's, you know, the Climate Action Mendocino is another group to look um, to try to connect with. Eileen sends out great minutes with all kinds of contacts and ideas. And yes. the Climate Steward Program is fantastic that's coming up. So I'm glad you're going to talk about that. Yeah, we're good. I'm, I'm going to try and do a program where I invite all the people and groups that are active, or at least as many as I can in this area in the new year to talk about all of that. So... Thank okay, you so much. Great. <laughs> yes. Thank okay. you. So I wanted to share um, the uh, the. Oh, I just. Shh. I'm sorry about this background noise. I have I have a puppy who is who is eager <laughs> who is eager to 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 get out of here. I think. Um, so I just realized that the that this uh, climate stewardship information I wanted to share is. Um, is it's not displaying on my phone. Is is there any information okay, that you I have? Okay, I actually have. Go ahead. I have some information. Go ahead. Yes. So I can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the there is a book called Climate Stewardship: Taking Collective Action to Protect California, written by Dr. Regina Marylander, and she's um, going to be on Hannah Bird's Ecology Hour on December seventh, from seven to eight probably talking about this program because it'll be the text for the Climate Stewards Certification Course, which is being offered at Hopkins Research and Extension Center 
uh, a 10 week class from January to March. Um, and it'll be a great way to gather with other people that, uh, to strategize things, activities we can do in the community. Um, though there is a fee, it's a course. So, but they have a, uh, scale down. Uh, it's 200 to $400, but I did the California Naturals program and it's, and which was kind of developed under the same, um, kind of, organization and it's and it's well worth it it's so great to work with others that share your concerns yeah and and is is there is there some uh, contact information that you have about to learn more about the course well the best place is to con- uh to google the hopland research and extension center okay because mm-hmm. they, they should have the information there for registration and details on the class uh mm-hmm. how it's meeting most and, of the meetings will be zoom but they do have some live field trips planned as well Great, and uh, and and that's starting in January. So thanks so yeah. much for sharing so, this information. I'm actually going to have to get out of here in a few seconds. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> thank well, you. Well, yeah. I also recommend Hannah's you know December seventh um, ecology hour presentation with Adina. Right, be a right good here on KZYX. So that's December seventh. Yeah. It's probably a Tuesday, and it'll be at seven o'clock in the evening. Yep. That's thank it. you. Thank you so much, Kathy Monroe. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.